Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, superheroes. I am about to thrust you into the middle of a conversation with Jerry Thomas, who does something called Your Soul Blueprint. He uses Vedic astrology, traditional metaphysics, Jungian psychology, and evolutionary personal counseling to give us our soul blueprints. I recently had a reading with him as a birthday gift. You'll hear about it. And that's why I ended up talking to Jerry Thomas this week. So welcome, superheroes. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I had never been to your website before, Still Point Retreats, until today. And that is amazing. And I... I've been going out, I think I told you, I've been going out and mostly I've been, I've been going out every night and singing to the people that passed that day since, uh, since this started. And I've been singing just instinctively, J-Ram, Shri-Ram, J-Ram, like at, sure. remember in the ashram? <laughs> J-Ram, J-J-Ram. Yeah. yeah. And then the other day, this different thing came in, which was hallelujah, something else. It was more like Christian. And then, and then I went and listened to Opening to God's Love and the Path of Love, your talks, and this Om Jesu Christe Miserere Nobis, I had never heard before because I don't have a Christian background. So mm-hmm. I was blown away by that and... The original intonation of the mothers and fathers, desert mothers and fathers, at 90 AD, 90. And what they determined through the principle of sympathetic resonance is the name is the essence of the form. So they used this to, if you would, invoke the consciousness of the Christ. Now, when I use the term Christ, I separate it from Jesus of Nazareth. Christ is the principle, it's the unification principle. Jesus was one container, as perhaps was Krishna, as perhaps was maybe a Yogananda. So there are many Christs. In fact, we all have that, that concept. But it's very, very beautiful, and it has the ability to bring people into transcendence very, very quickly. That yeah. very, very quiet state where you now ex- the soul is experiencing itself instead of the soul experiencing the body, mind, and senses. So it's very, very beautiful. And I'm impressed that you like the website because it's not for everyone. I mean, <laughs> for those who have deep diving gear. Do you right. Know? Oh, that's a great way to put deep, it. Deep dive. It's not for most of us who are working on our psychological and emotional issues, but actually it's ultimately for that. Because right. when we make the connection to the, as you say, the mighty flame, the <laughs> mighty flame burns away all the obstacles to the full expression of the inner nature, right. which as an aspect of God, God is love. The first thing I went to on your website was opening to God's love. And I do want to talk about that uh, in a second, but for, let me first introduce you formally to the listener. So, so the reason that we're speaking today with Jerry Thomas is that my, one of my BFFs, uh, Fran, um, gave me for my birthday a reading, and I had had a couple of readings 
decades ago by Jerry, because Jerry, Fran, and I all studied with Guru Mai, who is from the city yoga tradition. And Jerry was the go-to astrologer for that community. And so we all went to Jerry. And I always remember you as holding my heart, like more than other readings of any kind. I feel like you have this magical way of holding our hearts. And the reading that you gave me the other day as my birthday gift from Fran was just a reminder that, first of all, I hadn't written the book Superhero of Love when we last were together over 15 years ago, I'm sure. But you are a true superhero of love. So I wanted to have you on the podcast because you bring a whole other level of depth to this conversation about our mighty hearts and being superheroes of love. So uh, a formal welcome, Jerry Thomas. Thank you so much, Bridget. Honor. So now what I was about to say is that every time I talk to you, And every time I talk to Fran, I learn something new about you that I didn't know. You have such an incredible, so I just want to, I would love for you to tell people just a little bit about your background and how you came to be uh, the superhero of love that you are today. Well, I, um, I I don't like to talk a lot about myself. (laughs) I'm the cartoon character that has the billboard in front that said, eat it, Joe's. I want to point to divine love, not to Jerry Thomas. Do you know what I mean? That is what you are, yes. Jerry Thomas is only a figment. (laughs) Anyway, so I started out studying physics, and I wanted to learn everything there was to know about everything there was to know about. And one day, I was just a young person. I was over at MIT, and there was a meeting of the senior faculty. And these were all the people that we got from Germany post-World War II. You know, they all had the tweed jackets with the leather thing. Their wives, <laughs> they had beautiful daughters who were doctors. You know. And I was the obligatory atheist because science is fact and, you know, spirituality is, you know, smoke and mirrors. And they said they were going to have a spiritual um, uh, meeting. Uh, they have their monthly spiritual meeting on a Saturday morning with the Theosophical Society. Well, I fell apart. I said, what do you mean? And at the time I had a, well, I still have a beard. It was red. I was young once. And so my advisor pulled me from, from the rug, off the rug. Then he pulled me back on again. And they had a name for me. My, the name for me was Dumkoff. And he says, Dumkoff, he says, what am I doing? I says, you're pulling me on and off the rug. He says, well, don't you understand atomic oscillation that the universe virtually flashes on and off 14 billion times a second? So where was it 7 billion times? And where is it now? Seven billion times. And all of a sudden I realized there's an unseen basis of absolute reality that is the foundation of all matter, all energy. And so I realized I didn't know everything there was to know about everything there was to know about. I only knew half. So I I went off to the Carmelite monastery to discover the other half. Now the Carmelites in Christianity are like the Navy SEALs. There's no fooling around. You don't talk. It's like you're focused, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I had the experience of the transcendent, or what we say in city yoga, the self, or the soul, or the inner experience of God. And so when I came out, I had this body of knowledge, but, um, and I was ready to go back into the monastery when I met my wife. And I looked in her eyes, and I knew I'd never see the inside of a monastery ever again. So I went off, and she wanted to have what I had, so I got a job. 
and came up the ladder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at one point in the nineties, my spiritual director at the time was a monk uh, of Yogananda's group. And he said, you know, we're not really teaching mysticism anymore. It's too confusing. He said, why don't you just start teaching it? And I said, but brother, I have a fabulous job. I work for a large corporation and make more money than God. I can even afford to live in California. He says, no, you should really do this. He said, everything will work out. So I started Still Point, And essentially, I'll tell you what I do in terms of the five major paradigms. But first, I'm going to go back to MIT, okay? At MIT, in physics and energy, we're looking at waves on the ocean, things that have a beginning, a middle, and end that are temporary. Everything is sort of temporary. Tallis 585 BC said the nature of reality is flux. But underneath it, there's like a steady stream. There's an ocean at rest, or if you think of a straight line. We call it the quantum field on one end of understanding. On the other end of understanding, we call it God. In the middle, we call it consciousness at rest. So it moves. It moves. In the beginning, there's motion, the Big Bang, the first motion. So there's a you, there's a me, there's a Tom, Dick, a Harry, whoever happens to be. And there are five major perspective and consciousness paradigms. The first one that is very ubiquitous is hedonism, which we all have a little bit. I, I know I'm a hedonist because I didn't put my hand in the fire this morning when I was trying to cook something. And hedonism is when the wave is only concerned for itself. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the next one is humanitarianism, where the wave on the ocean is concerned for the other waves as it is for itself. That's nice. Then metaphysics, where the wave on the ocean seeks to understand the laws of nature or energy and structure in order to change the contour of the wave. The next one is what we call relational spirituality, which is the wave on the ocean that seeks a relationship with the ocean. And I'm going to give you an analogy here. Relationship to the ocean is like uh, the relationship to God. So it's like holding your beloved's hand as you walk on a beach. But there's still two, you and the beloved, as you and God. And the last one is the mystical paradigm, which I have, which is where I live in what I teach the people who are interested. That's the wave on the ocean that merges back into the ocean in such a way that the ocean never forgets being the wave. Mm -hmm. The point of identity shifts from the tip of the wave down to the wave where it meets the ocean. That's the relational down to now it's the ocean looking out. So it's the consciousness and the view of seeing all as one. So when we talk about the path of the heart, I'll write down my favorite quote. And you can use the word God, you can use the word love. I'll use both. When you see it all as love, you stimulate the love in all you see. Mm. When you see it all as God, because the, the greatest act of love that I can conceive of, that's not an act, act involves activity, is seeing the other as as divinity. And whatever in front of it, the personality is merely the personality. But when you see it, you trill, T-R-I-L-L, or you cause sympathetic resonance. And so that inside, they don't know cognitively, of course, but they know that you're acknowledging the God, the love, who is them. That reinforces it. That is, in mystical spirituality, how we love. I love, uh, you know, John talks about um, that we sing the song we sing a song that everything sings a song 
mm-hmm. and that we, uh, one of my favorite quotes, I think I have it in the book, is is uh, he encourages us to turn to love FM. Tune into the song of, of love. One of the beautiful things about your readings is that those four paradigms that you just talked about, you weave those in and you, you, you steady us in where we are with respect to those par- four paradigms. We have and, them all interplaying within us. Right. That's, yeah. And the most beautiful gift that you give us, I think, is, this is one of those, this makes me cry. Like when I, when I feel in my heart, either for someone or from someone, that they are loving me or I am loving them exactly as they are and exactly as they are not. That beautiful phrase. And that is what you do for us. Like there was a moment in my reading that I was re-listening to. So it's uh, crystal clear in my memory right now where I gasped and I was silent for a long moment. And you said, and you had to say, are you still there? And it was because you had said, when you do a, when you do readings for people, you do a little cartoon on the folder that represents that client. And the, the cartoon that you did for me from long ago, and I'm assuming it's the same cartoon now, was like a, uh, oh gosh, now I'm, now I'm forgetting it, but it was a, like a, a hurricane with a Frisbee, you know, like a whirling tornado. A tornado and a frisbee, right? A frisbee and a tornado. Thank you so much. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot that. But that's how that's that's how much I I want to not I want to not remember that. I just (laughs) forgot it again. But uh, because only your mind. That's only your mind. It's small. Doesn't matter. Right. No. And you were like you said this really beautiful thing. Um. Uh. You said something very beautiful in response to that. You said it's 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 just your nature, like. Yeah. But you you said it in this like real like it's just like I accept you you know like there's no there's like literally zero judgment, and that's such a beautiful gift. And and what you can do, th- this is what happens during your readings is your heart can then just rest in what it is like. This is who I am, and he's seeing who I am. Or let it word. <laughs> Tell them about that. Tell them about that. Oh my God, the way you said that was so funny. Well, I I told Bridget that we're adults and I'm going to use a four-lettered word that is anathema (laughs) to her. It's on page 1348 of the Oxford English Dictionary and it is rest, R-E-S-T. And she fell apart because she knew it's true. Because when I looked at her chart, it was like looking at a piece of sheet music in which there are all these black notes clumped which is not good because they're articulations of vibration, but they need the white space in between. So kind of like what's going on in the world, I see Bridget as a microcosm of the macrocosm in a very superficial way, very superficial way. In other words, our need to rest and rejuvenate inside. Now, that is not your issue, but I love your mind. It is just great. I can handle it for all of 50 minutes. Afterwards, I needed to take a little break. <laughs> but you know, how can you judge something God made and what wasn't made by God for a oh purpose? My God. Each one of us is designed so that, I'll use the term he, I don't care, I'm not politically correct, so that he can experience his own creation uniquely. So we're each unique. And some people, their minds are like molasses going uphill. It's 50 minutes of just trying to have them tell me where they live. 
You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But you're good because I told you your communication skills are excellent. You could talk to a bag of hammers and you probably have. And that's good. Humor is a piece of the space between the notes or the silence. Oh my God, that is such an excellent. You have probably talked to a bag. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Okay, now I'm going to swing back around to opening to God's love, which was, you know, I didn't have, I had never experienced your website before. So I finally had time to sit down with it today. And the first thing I went to was opening to God's love. And I wrote down this quote, you said, God's, God loves each of us as if he were only, wait, oh my gosh. So God? As if there's only one of us. Yes. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I have a typo in what I typed up. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. And I, you know, like with uh, Master John Douglas, you know, like, and that he loves us all equally, right? That God loves us all equally. And I always have this. And I think around any great being, right? There's always like, we were around Guru Mai and we saw it and we, and I don't know if you felt it. You were probably, <laughs> you were definitely uh, vibrating at a higher vibration than I was, but I was, you know, it was very, it's very typical around a great being to want to uh, get close to the flame, right? Like little moths oh, yeah. jumping toward yeah. the flame. And so, and you want to be special and you want to be seen and you want to be closest for the longest. And anyways, I loved reading this. This reminder is, is always great. Did you ever see the movie, The Truman Show? Yes. Remember? Yes. Everything was set up for this character, Truman. Yes. And it's like, there's only God in you. And everything else is from central casting, just to give you experiences to help bring you back to that realization. I know. And sometimes I go into that and it scares me. Okay. Can I just tell you what happens to me when I go into that, where I go, oh my God, because I will literally go through a day and, and, and look at the orchestration and just go, I cannot even believe the symphony that just happened that was orchestrated just for me, every single note of this day, right? Mm -hmm. And then I go, but I bumped into like a thousand different souls for that orchestration, right? And then I start thinking, oh no, am I actually, <laughs> I do, I think the Truman Show actually like traumatized me because then I start feeling alone, like wait. And then, I, then you realize, okay, no, it's orchestrated for them too, that we're all part of the orchestration. Oh yeah, all the moving parts come together. I mean, and God's fairly smart, you know. <laughs> really you know. smart. Oh. In Did our, he go to MIT too? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think he got in. I don't think he was politically correct enough to get in. I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> or bribe the admissions committee. I cannot help myself. My sense of humor goes oh before God, me. Um, <sighs> so there are four laws of physics, weak field, strong field, magnetic field, gravitational field. And actually love is the representation in gravity, gravity is the representation of love because love is what? It's the universal evolutionary force that brings all things together to bring them to fulfillment. And that's what gravity does. Um, so there are as many universes just with these four laws of nature as there have ever been, are, or will be droplets of water going over Niagara Falls. Kind of big, kind of smart. Now, how many universes have more than four laws of nature or even sub-laws of nature? 
so we think there are there are an infinite number of universes minus one because if it was infinite, it'd all be just a big blob of what? Nothingness. But minus one gives everything form. So, <laughs> you know, the people who have experiences, these ecstatic experiences of this divine love will tell you that, um, yeah, that's it. But then they come back and they say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, what's going on here? Well, in order to survive what I call planet Earth, the key really is faith. And faith is not a little white building with a steeple or uh, doctrines, but it's what every physicist knows, that everything is evolving according to a plan that the human mind cannot understand. And everything is going in good. Even the cycle that we're in now is just a blip. It's, it's a blip for us to reset, is what the archetypes are all about. But um, we can't know it. And I'm, I wanted to read you something that we wrote, Crisis of Faith, only because I think faith is such a big piece Without it, it is difficult to allow the flow of love to come through because there's always right, wrong, good, bad. Once a certain holy man lost his faith, after years of tending to his spiritual community, he despaired of the suffering around him and doubted the goodness of God. He decided to leave his town and journey across the desert to his home village where he could start his life over again. On his second day out in the desert, he came across a young man and woman just married with a baby. Their camel was immobilized with a sickness, which was a problem because they were on their way to a new village to start a new life. The holy man was appalled at God's will for this couple. He raised his fist in the air and shouted, if you are such a good God, why do you allow bad things to happen good people? No answer, but he didn't expect any. He went on his way. Several days later, he met with a large group of very good people, merchants, who were despondent over the loss of their goods to sell at the market. There had been a fire, and all of the materials were lost. They had nothing left. The holy man raised his fist in the air and shouted, If you are such a good God, why do you allow these bad things to happen to good people? No answer. But he didn't expect any. He went on his way. Toward the end of the journey at the outskirts of the desert, he met an old man carrying a dead boy. The old man was a good king beloved by all the people of his land, and the boy was to be his one and only heir to the throne. The holy man raised his fist in the air and shouted, If you are such a good God, why do you allow these bad things to happen to good people? And this time he wanted an answer, and he vowed to sit and burn in the desert by day and freeze in the desert by night until God told him why these awful things happened to good people. After three days and three nights, the Lord took pity on him and sent his angel. The angel visited him in the desert. The angel appeared and said to the holy man, you are so blinded by what you see and what your mind can understand. Truth lies in the unseen beyond human knowledge. There is an unknowable order that governs all events in your world of images. The Lord governs this order and he is good above all. Yes, yes, the holy man said, all well and good, but what does this have to do with tragedy? The angel replied, the belief in tragedy is the real tragedy. It is supreme ignorance of faith. Let me show you. That first couple with the sick camel, the Lord struck the camel with a temporary illness to keep the couple from entering the village. You see, in the village, there's an epidemic of cholera, and the baby would have surely died. Those merchants, the Lord set fire to their merchandise out of mercy. You see, there were robbers in the area who would have stolen their goods and slashed their throats. The old man, the good king, well... That little boy had an evil heart and would have grown up, killed his father, and enslaved the people of the kingdom. So, 
the angel said. Faith is going beyond human knowing to the heart of love, where there is only goodness and all things working according to a magnificent plan that only God can express. So no matter what you see, there is only a loving being guiding all the circumstances of our life. And yes, love is sometimes comfortable, but often not. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Now, after I say that, I have to, I have to slow it all down, right? I want to give you the balance real quick. I want to give you the feminine, okay? Mm-hmm. You'll like this. Now, I just talked about love in a very masculine way. It's a higher evolutionary purpose. And this is a beautiful little roomy poem. Mm. All day long, a little burrow labors, sometimes with heavy loads on her back, and sometimes just with worries about things that bother only burrows. And worries, as we know, can be more exhausting than physical labor. And once in a while, a kind monk comes to her stable and brings her a pair. But more than that, he looks into the burrow's eyes and touches her ears. And for a few seconds, the burrow is free and even seems to laugh. Because love does that. Love frees. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for both of those. We need that wisdom during this time when everything looks like good thing, bad things are happening to good people. Can I ask you astrologically? Is oh, sure. this Go ahead. Formulate uh, the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> astrologically, is there something happening right now that is saying this is our come to Jesus moment in, in, of, of sorts that, yeah, we're, uh, that humanity is supposed to rise up to greet this. Absolutely. First, I want to give you a bigger picture. Then I want to tell you about a magnificent woman who does the astrology of the world. Specifically, I deal with the soul, your heart, your path, how you relate to yourself, God, and others. And that's like looking through a microscope. And this woman looks through a telescope, so she sees the bigger picture. And I'll, I'll plug her right now. Her name is Joni Petrie. And afterwards, I'll give you her website if people are really interested. But if you think of an analog clock, 12 o'clock is what we consider the golden age. And it's a 24,000-year clock. And even scientists now understand that we go on a 24,000-year cycle because there's an, another, uh, how do I say, another sun called a brown dwarf that because we're in a, a binary system, and I have to be not too scientific here. But So 12,000 years, then we descend to the lowest point, which is the Dark Ages, which we have been in until about 1500. Mm-hmm. So at the darkest of the Dark Ages, interesting things happen. You have Buddha, you have Muhammad, you have Jesus, you have Krishna, you have all these great beings come at that time to try to take the energy, if I can use that word, and bring it up. So right now, if you think the Dark Ages ended at 1500 and the Golden Ages started the year 12,000, we're at 615 on the clock. We're just minimally out of the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. And so that all along the time, there are certain things that cause us to have to rebalance. And they are two eclipse points called Rahu and Ketu, or the North Node and the South Node. And... Right now, Rahu is in a lunar mansion called Ardra, and Ketu is in a lunar mansion called Mula. And this is to destroy the order of things that keeps us out of balance. Mm. So this entire thing is to help recreate balance. Now, what do I mean by recreate balance? Well, we have a tendency when things are comfortable and good to focus on our outer life, the wave, but we forget the inner life. 
In fact, even in our culture, the aspects of the inner life, such as even the conversation about God and spirituality, is really taken out of the conversation. So this um, will, the epidemic, I believe, will start to lift, and in two years it'll be completely gone. But it's a shift that activates four primary archetypes within us. Uh, the turtle. And the turtle is a powerful animal. It's androgynous in terms of it can live in the water, it can live on the land. But in order for it to continue its existence, it needs to pull in its arms, its head, and its legs. So the turtle in, in the chart of the world, especially in the chart of Western civilization, is pull in and go back to your center, go back to your source. The second one is a great one, the snake shedding its skin. And the snake is an interesting animal because it grows, but its environment or skin doesn't grow with it. So it's a time where people, places, things, attitudes, actions, events, and, and circumstances that don't serve our highest potential, our highest growth, will, will become irritable to us and they'll start to fall away. Relationships will go away. And then, of course, it attracts new things coming in. And the other one is the eagle. And that the eagle is really the significator of how to get through this period of time, holding your love, holding that love. And it's faith. The eagle is faith. Seeing things as God sees it. Like in that little story, you know, the poor holy man, he only saw it with these eyes. He didn't see it with this. And that's what wisdom is, being able to see the waves in the ocean from the perspective of the, the deep ocean itself. Now, this happens every 18 and a half years. So what happened 18 and a half years ago? 9-11. What oh. happened before that? The AIDS epidemic. Oh, I wrote wow. these up. What happened before that? The assassination of Kennedy and Martin Luther King. What happened before that was the ending of the World War II with the bombing of Hiroshima. And what happened before that was this magnificent, not magnificent, but huge earthquake in China and a, a worldwide flu pandemic. So every 18 and a half years, it's like we get shaken up and say, wait a minute, what you're, what you're putting all your hopes for out there is not there. It's kind of transitory. Oh. And there's an ancient, um, the type of astrology that I practice is really old. And it doesn't have anything to do with you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome man. On <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, really. Because Friday was yesterday, right? You missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh so, so hard at that one <laughs> yeah. so it just it just pushes us because there's a beautiful phrase the lord says two things do you want the toys or do you want the toy maker mm. toys come and go everything has a beginning a middle and an end this is temporary this is duality or do you want that which is permanent that exists within you even love even love it exists in here it exists in here, and it's to be expressed externally. And I wrote this down. Uh, the great act of love for us, the mystics, is to perceive, appreciate, and reflect the divinity or the love in the other mm -hmm. and express it back to them by seeing it. Because when you see the others in the eyes of love, you stimulate the love in their own hearts. You never have to say a word. Right. You never have to say a word. Right. So this is a, a very interesting time. Um, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it, et cetera, et cetera. I listened to Master John, his, his take on it. I think it was really, really good. Mm. But, you know, if you're 
if you're fortunate enough to live another 18 and a half years, then the next 18 and a half years at year 17, sell your stock, you know, put your money <laughs> in gold and silver, <laughs> buy, buy, buy a position in Zoom or Netflix or whatever, because <laughs> it'll happen again. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be different. This time That's it's wild. pandemic. Before it was the beginning of a war between two civilizations, the Islamic world and the Western civilization. Uh, and, you know, it just goes on and on. We're in duality and we're continuously being pushed to go inside. Now, what's inside? Often at retreats, I'll have a screen and around it I have light bulbs, Christmas light bulbs, right? Different colors. And there's no electricity. Got it? So in the outside world, we have, you know, relationships, we have power, we have money, we have all these kind of things. And we think each one of these is going to fill a hole in here, right? Doesn't. But no matter what, once you turn on the electricity, then your relationships brighten up, your prosperity mm. brightens up, everything brightens up, you know? Mm. And some philosopher that nobody believes anymore said, the kingdom of heaven is within. And so that I, I used to do the worst job in the world, marriage counseling. My God, that was the worst <laughs> conversation I've ever had in my life. Because half the time I just wanted to get up and slap them silly. You know, I, do you, are you serious? <laughs> my husband doesn't love me. Well, how do you know? Well, when he comes home and he doesn't talk. Okay, so I ask him what's his story. Look, I get up every morning at 4.30 to commute an hour and a half to do a job with the boss. I absolutely hate it. I have to stay at the job till seven at night. This is LA. Right. You know, oh. The traffic. When I come home, I'm beat. All I want to do is look at a sports show, have a can of beer and pass out. See, he doesn't love me. No. <laughs> Feminine, and you can talk about this all day long and they won't get it. Feminine love is affiliation, attraction, do you know, and attachment. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Masculine love is commitment. Absolute commitment. You know, a soldier, you know, a policeman, absolutely committed. Mm -hmm. Of course, there has to be a blend of the two. <laughs> but you have to understand that there are two. <laughs> very, very unique things that need to come together. It was a terrible job. And I have no <laughs> idea where I was going with that. But it had to do with marriage counseling and, um, oh, relationships. Oh, so I'm kind of a funny and frank person, right? And, um, and being, you know, uh, in the clergy, people would ask me if I would marry them. And I'd say, why? And they say, oh, because we're in love. And I'd roll my eyes back. Okay, yeah, good, you're in love, all right. You committed to each other. Oh, absolutely. John, if the night before your marriage, Mary was in an automobile accident and was paralyzed from the neck on down and you could never have a family or marital relationship, you'd have to take care of her. Would you, do you still love her? I mean, are you still committed? Boy, the backpedaling, they could have won a race in France going backwards. It was amazing, totally amazing. Or the other one that I really loved, why are you getting married? Because we need each other. And I would take out these little cards that I made that had a divorce lawyer's name on it and say, here, take this, save your money. Oh so my God, that is hilarious. I didn't yeah. see this is every time I talk to you, I hear about another part of your life that I didn't know about. Well, God just had me in training with all these various things so I could be and do the kinds of things that I do now. It, and oh I'm God. no big deal. I mean, my deal is that I have been able to extract the ancient truths from all the various mystical systems and put them in a modern vernacular, 
with a, a denominator. If, if the vernacular is the numerator, the denominator is sort of a scientific basis for it. It's all verifiable. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a beautiful ministry because many people have had enough of spirituality. <laughs> They've had enough of God's up there and I'm still trying to, still trying to, and I come back and I say, there is no journey. There's nowhere to go. It's always been there. And they go, of course. I didn't know that. Didn't realize it. Could have so, had a V8. There's a, yeah, I could have had a V8. The old, <laughs> and there's another fellow who does work very similar to me. He's passed away now. Thomas Keating. He's a Trappist monk who brought, well, mysticism used to be part of the church. Mm. At 320 AD, the Council of Nicaea, there were two groups. We were the Essenes, or the mystics. They had the traditional group, and you know. How um, long were you in a? So you were in a scene monk. Five, five Carmelite. Five, okay, Carmelite. Okay, thank you. So one group said God created the world, and my group says, Oh yeah, 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 kinda. But God also became the world. See, we were the quantum physicists back then. They were the Newtonians. So, in traditional religion and spirituality, even in the uh, teachings of Guru Maitrivalasananda. There's a separation between guru and devotee, at least in the beginning, until you realize that it's all one. There's no separation at all. In fact, you can see my hand, palm up. You know, you look at these different fingers, different people, but in reality, we're all a palm. Mm-hmm. Manifesting that way. So it, it's a wonderful journey to finally, after years and years of yoga and various other traditions to say, wait a minute, there's nowhere to go. It's mm-hmm. all here and then open. Yeah, that explosion. Um, uh, I love, I, I, opening to God's love, I resonated with, so I went right in there and, and listened to that. Um, I'll, I'll put the link in the podcast notes to that talk that you gave opening to God's love, which is so beautiful. And then, and there's, and I also listened to the path of love, which of course I'm going to listen to the one that's called the path of love and, <laughs> or the path of the heart, excuse me, the path of the heart. Um, and there's in one of them, takeaway? what was your takeaway from the path of the heart? Oh, uh, well now I, I'm kind of merging the two of them together, but, uh, okay, never, I love my favorite, my favorite quote in that one was never the Carlos Castaneda, never follow a path without a heart. Right. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you figure it out, you're almost dead. Right. And that, that thing about burnout and how many people are experiencing burnout because they're not on the path of the heart. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, swimming in like the really beautiful pool, listening both of, the, both of these back to back, was that if we are in the, if we, if we are in the pursuit of, of turning within and loving ourselves as as the divine and knowing ourselves as the divine that that is where that still point (laughs) where we can reach that still point his business name is still point retreats and that that's where the magic happens the teresa avila quote i love teresa avila too and i love like she used like you said she says it like it is love of God and love for God isn't necessarily experiencing sweetness and tenderness. You must trust that God has you exactly where you are meant to be. Exactly. Faith again. Faith again. 
Yeah. One yeah. of the things I appreciate about your work, sometimes people very lovingly and kindly write about love as is as if it's a burst of estrogen. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, just huggy, touchy, everything California, where sometimes it's really tough. You know, oh, yeah. Love, love needs to be tough. So we can never define love by qualitative experience. It's more the effect of it. Love is the evolutionary force. Um, what do I want to say with that? I'm impressed that you could listen to those two talks and really get so much. It's really oh. cool you could do that. Well, and if anybody I'd... listens to it, you just have to warn them that they're going to see this this old old guy with a white beard and white hair. No, it's not God. <laughs> it's Jerry. Uh, <laughs> You're adorable. Okay, can I ask you a question? When the the concept of you know when people have a hard time, and for many years I had trouble with the word God. Yeah. And and now what like i think of god as love and love as god and love is that that energy is god that energy is love love is everywhere god is everywhere and we just have to know it know tap it, into it. it be it yeah a lot of my students say i want to be loving and i said that's the booby prize and i'm quiet and they go whoa, 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 whoa. i said no be love mm-hmm. don't settle for being loving because that's nothing more than a manual for how to, you ought to act and think in a certain situation. But love is spontaneous. It's the most evolutionary response to what, what happens. So when people have trouble with the word God, I give them the freedom to have the trouble with the word God and work it out. Hmm. You know, because, because you don't like the word doesn't mean that what the word represents is invalid. Right. And, if, and if you start parsing out what you like and what you don't like and only take what you like and what you don't like, then you become like a spiritual snowflake. <laughs> Everything has to be given to you in a certain way, you know, and it doesn't work that way. Right. For some people that I'm working with that are very bright, brilliant scientific minds, uh, I use the term uh, quantum field. And every now and then I'll give a talk at uh, an organization called YPO, the Young President's Organization. And these are mostly men who have $50 million companies who are under 50 years old who had to make it on their own. And they know that I was an ex-monk and physicist and I teach this thing called mysticism, whatever the hell that is, you know. And they come in and they're very cynical. Now, when they walk in, I know it's them because they have this bulge between their shoulders, which is their dorsal fin. And they sit down and they say, oh, yeah, so you're going to tell me the purpose of life. I said, you guys are so wealthy. How can you be such an idiot? And they said, well, nobody can tell you the purpose of life. I said, well, I'm going to tell you the purpose of life. A puppy can tell you the purpose of life to become a dog. Oak tree, you know, acorn. Purpose of life is to reach your full potential. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of it, you know. And so in, in this whole thing, living our full potential, God will bring us everything we need. There's a book called The Practice of the Sacred Moment, and it's really beautiful. There's one phrase in there. It says, God comes to us as in disguise as our life. And uh. the person, place, thing, attitude, action, event is his presence bringing us to him by teaching us how to respond to it, how to respond to it. Now, the tricky part is that most people have been taught love. You respond to it in a very California kind of way. 
But sometimes, if you think of some great lovers, like arbitrarily Jesus of Nazareth, he responded to the money changes by kicking butt. You know, he really went after them. Oh, and the poor scribes and Pharisees. He was worse on them than the press is on Donald Trump. He was always going after those guys. And they say, you know, fear is the opposite of love. And I'm like, who made that bumper sticker? Fear is so normal and natural. The issue is when it's overwhelming. Right. Even Jesus of Nazareth, in the in the end, the Garden of Gethsemane, he was so afraid of what was going to happen to him, his capillaries broke. But he wasn't overwhelmed. Do you mm. see the difference between that? There's a subtlety, not to be overwhelmed. But like the coronavirus, yeah, I would be fearful of going to a baseball game with 38,000 people because I'm going to catch it. And being 70 plus, you know, with a little coronary artery disease thing, mm, I probably won't make it through. But there are so many things about love that I think you can do miracles with because people make it so qualitative. Yes, that's true. But it's the effect of love that defines what love is. Because if if you really ask me who you are, I'll tell you. You mm-hmm. are how you affect other people. That's who you, that's who you are. All the therapist notes, all of your history, all of that irrelevant. You are how you affect other people. Okay, that I really don't like. uh, If we swing back to the beginning of this conversation where I am the tornado with the Frisbee. (laughs) But look at how you affect me. I love you. I think you're charming. I just want to take you home and feed you. Do you know? But the mind goes very, very fast. But... Do you remember in Ayurveda, Vata Pitta Kapha? Yes, yes, yes. You're Pitta. Pitta's mind right. so fast. You're very highly intelligent. You like to get to the bottom of things. And those people have minds that go extremely fast. Right, right. You know? All right, enough about me. Back to God and love. <laughs> You're just an aspect of God and love. Delightful. Uh, thank you. Where and where did I wrote this down when I was listening to one of one of the talks? Everyone and everything is exactly where it should be. Just such a great sentence for us to have in our hearts right now. If you were to learn chess from a chess master, where would all the pieces on the board be at any given time? Exactly where they need to be. Mm, right. That's great. Yeah. And even you know. Um, I think only because our frame of reference is many lifetimes. The church took out reincarnation in 554 uh, AD. Um, and they also took out the ascendancy of the divine feminine. Long story. Hmm. But when we took out reincarnation, in my opinion, it almost made traditional Christianity goofy. Because how could, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, which I believe doesn't mean what you think. Believe means live the being of, not have a thought about. And so that you know, even the fellow who's watching the football game and drinking a can of beer on Sunday, you don't know what his job is in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Maybe he maybe he was in a war. Maybe he's a, a reincarnationally tra- traumatized soldier, and he's simply looking for creature comforts, and spirituality is way off the charts for them. Not everyone has to be a saint in this lifetime. Master John talks about how some people are born into this life to actually like deliver karma to people and to yeah. steal, and it is, it is actually righteous that they are stealing or killing or whatever it is they are born into this life to do that perfect Perfectly thing. Perfectly where they ought to be. Right. Everyone and everything is exactly where it should be. Such a great mantra for right now. The other thing I wrote down, uh, God's will is that we exist and that we exist with him. He wills our existence 
and desires our unity. He wills our existence and desires our unity. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could repeat that a million times. It's, it's like, beautiful, isn't it? It's so beautiful. He desires our unity. That just makes me, ah. And further in the heart. guides us every step of the way. In physics and in mystical spirituality, we always talk about there's a point of nothingness at the center of all of creation, out of which matter is being. So you think of a molecule, well, there's a little piece of nothingness in the center, which is the creative intelligence that's calling forth the matter to accumulate around the molecule. And within us, there's that, and it's really not a nothingness, it's a fullness. But when things are so full, uh, it appears to be nothing. Like if you stand behind a jet engine at a certain, you won't hear anything because all possible sounds are occurring. It's wow. You know? That's why it's infinity minus one. So the Christ, the Christ is the principle that is the bridge between ultimate reality, the unmanifest, and the manifest. The father, who's the unmanifest potential for all to be, and the mother, which is the function of creation. So if you think of, in your mind's eye, this vast ocean of blue light, and in the center of the blue light, there's this crystalline structure. So you have the father and you have the mother. Now within the crystalline structure is a pale blue, the reflection of the father, that's the Christ or the bridge between the potential, the ocean and the wave, okay? So that creative intelligence creates everything so that it exists within you. Now, not only is it creating you and keeping you functioning, is drawing to you everything you need to evolve. Mm. Don't it? You know what I mean? You have to go out and read a book about the seven highly effective habits of people who want to evolve. It's happening. Even the desire to read the book or the desire not to read the book is part of your evolution. So that we think that we're in, I'm going to use the C word control here. <laughs> you know, kind of. And people often ask me, Jerry, what's, what's more uh, valid? Ring, uh, predetermination of free will? And my answer is yes. <laughs> there are certain things that must happen due to karma or whatever. Even... Things will happen to us because of the karma of our gender or the karma of our country. So when I look at your chart, I'm looking at where you live, where you were born, what gender you are, your relative age group, because each one of these is like a filter to Mm -hmm. look down because each one of these planetary influences is read differently depending on my perception or understanding of your state of consciousness. So that one of my all-time favorites, and I have a good sense of humor, Venus and Scorpio, it could mean, you know, if you're a high school boy, you want to know every girl in high school that has Venus and Scorpio because that's the date you want that weekend. Or in another state, it's natural celibacy. So um. you have to see, sometimes astrology bothers me because it's like paint by numbers and like one size fits all, but it's so different. It's unique, which is why I'll ask you the questions ahead of time. I'm not interested in your answers. I'm actually perceiving where you are in your own evolutionary scheme. Mm. Kind of makes sense. Totally. What you just said made me really high and I'm trying not to forget things I wanted to focus on. <laughs> that just made me really high. Frisbee. <laughs> yes. Do you want to talk about the country? We've already talked about the world. Do you want to talk about the country? Well, I think it's okay. Because when I look at it, it's like a homeopathic crisis. You're familiar with that? You have to get worse before you get better. Homeopathics make you a little sicker. Right, right. Um, it's, it's really rough. And we're in a pur- purgation period because we've gone way too far 
thinking that we can do this all on our own. Remember One Nation Under God? Mm-hmm. God's forbidden, even in Congress, uh, so help me God is taken out. Mm. Can't use that phrase anymore because they don't want to offend somebody who doesn't particularly believe in God. Right. So it's a crisis of faith and the... Understanding an expression of what love really is. Love is not catering to your whims. It's not catering... I mean, the poor snowflakes, I feel so bad for them, do you know, because they're like perpetual victims, continuously in rage, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like uh, Master John was saying, does it matter what somebody calls you really in the scheme of things? <laughs> right. <laughs> So what we've done, and this is really important piece, the definition of character is the degree to which you choose the good over the comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote that down. I wrote that down. The degree to which we choose the good over the comfortable. I have it in big letters. Thank you for saying and, that. I meant to bring that. In which the comfortable transcends the good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we've been pretty focused on comfortable. Yeah, so this is shaking things up. This is really, really shaking things up. And I think it's good. Many people I talk to, they're uh, locked at home with their kids, you know, and they're going crazy with the kids, but they're starting to realize they're getting to know the kids. Right. Families are beginning to come together a little bit. Right. And what happens is we're so addicted to our focus being outside with the rational and the empirical mind, which are both masculine, we forget the transcendental mind, which is very feminine. And, you know, God talks to us through the empirical and the rational, but even more so through the transcendental, which is symbols, dreams, reflections, like the primitive North American. All I'm doing is interpreting <laughs> God's dream for you. That's exactly what you do in the, in the readings. I want to come back to Baba Muktananda. Mm. Remember Ram, he wrote the lessons? Mm-hmm. Yes, Ron Butler, right. So, so what he's talking about is for in City Yoga, there was a man named Ron Butler who did um, the correspondence, it was called the Correspondence Course. And um, Fran and I have a running joke because she got further along in her Correspondence Course than I did, even though she started City Yoga after I did. <laughs> and it's a running joke that I'll never, ever be as evolved as she is because she was ahead of me on the Correspondence Course. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll give you the hint. I'll give you the professor's cliff notes. The whole course <laughs> is lesson 20 to 27, which is the three malas. Remember the three malas from Sheva Kajim? One consciousness. You think you're different than me. That's an illusion. There's only one consciousness. Got it? Mm-hmm. One consciousness. Quantum physics. That one consciousness is playing all the roles. How? Perfectly. Perfectly. Kajima Shaivism and the six branches of uh, spirituality that I represent in my teaching, in not my teaching, but in the teachings, the great illusion is that there's two when there's right. only one. Okay. Right. And the other illusion is that things go wrong. <laughs> right. Things go perfectly. But when you only have eyes to see out, like that, what I wrote about that holy man, you don't see what's going on inside in the bigger game, the bigger play. Do you see? Where there's nothing wrong. Where everything is no. perfect. Everything yeah, is placed exactly. exactly where it should be, right? Because what part of God is imperfect? Go right. ahead. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. Come up with it. Yeah, come up with it. Yeah. Which part? <laughs> There's a beautiful poem. Uh, There's a book called Love Poems from God by Daniel Ladinsky. And 
about eight or ten of the great. I'll have Judy send you a copy of this. The Great Mystics oh. of the World, right there, poetry. Oh, and this is really a funny one. Because remember, humor and spiritual development, to me, go hand in hand. Uh, Rumi wrote this. Relationship booster. Now you're into relationships, right? Here's one for your chapter. I got it for you. Here's a relationship booster that is guaranteed to work. From time to time, your spouse or lover says something stupid. Make your eyes light up as if you just heard something brilliant. (laughs) Wait, did you say that was Rumi? Yeah, Rumi. Rumi said that? I'll send you this book. It's going to shake your world up. The, The mystics are hilarious. You would never know. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. never know it was ancient, but it's really delicious. And this is a poem where I think it's St. Francis. Um, God, he says, Lord, I love you. And God says, well, how much? And he says, uh, completely. And God said, well, can you love the this hideous little blemish that I have, which is all the evil and the wickedness in the world? Can you kiss that too? Mm. Can you kiss that too? That is yeah. excellent. Yeah. Valentine's Day. Oh, cut in love, like what we were talking about. But I want to point something out. Yeah. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I don't have anything new to say. I'm a tutor. I've taken the works of the great masters and translated them into 21st century vernacular with the scientific basis. I'm just Jerry. I'm just a <laughs> Just Jerry. You should have t shirts. Just Jerry. Yeah, just Jerry. I like that. It's been real. Thank you so much. Thank you and so all much. All this time I've been holding the frisbee. Oh, music Something so powerful. That chant like changed some cellular. Oh, it will. I mean, you take the name and you completely change because you're imbibing it. Now think of this. That chant has been going on for 2,000 years. Man. 2,000 years. So you think of thought forms. How powerful do you think it is when you tune into it? Yeah. Yeah, like Sri Ram J Ram, right? I feel oh, yeah. like I have literally millions of people behind me. Absolutely. And in front of me. Right. Yeah. Eons. Yeah. Sri Ram J Ram didn't doesn't just exist on this planet. Right. It exists right. in that empty space, the fullness of nothingness in which everything is created. And right. I think the beautiful thing I always tell people, when you give your life to God, you become God's problem. Just always remind people, I am not a psychic that's going to tell your life. I know how your soul was designed for you to experience your life. And that has its own value. It's unbelievable. It's unlike any other reading. And you bring so many layers of knowledge and truth to it. And then, and you, but the, the biggest thing that you bring is that point of stillness, right? That's like that the, at the center of the reading. And nobody else has that. No, that's the that's the mighty flame. Right. Still point is a mighty flame. Right. Not the organization, but the whole concept. That still point out of which you emerge is only love. Yeah. And if we can teach people, love is not just what's comfortable, it's what's good too. Thank you for coming, superheroes. Please go check out Jerry Thomas at stillpointretreats.com that's the first website that you heard that I was perusing and reading all of his writings and listening to his talks that's stillpointretreats.com and if you want to get your own soul blueprint go to yoursoulblueprint.com and check that out yoursoulblueprint.com and if you like this podcast please go rate, review it, tell your friends about it, subscribe to it 
tell the world about it. Oh my God. And if you want to read more about the mighty heart that we were talking about in this conversation, get my book, Superhero of Love. It's available wherever you get your books. Thanks for coming, superhero.